0: Welcome to the Dietitian Connection podcast, a show about nutrition, dietitians and their success stories. Through our conversations with nutrition leaders, we aim to inspire you, to connect you with like-minded colleagues, to innovate and push you out of your comfort zone, to create robust debate, to encourage lifelong learning, and to empower you to create more impact as a dietitian.
1: I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land where you're listening. I'm recording this from the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who may be listening to us today. Welcome to the Dietitian Connection podcast. I'm Jane Winter from Dietitian Connection, and I'm an accredited practicing dietitian. Today's podcast episode is supported by Meat and Livestock Australia. So we've looked at the issue of sustainability in a few of our Dietitian Connection webinars and podcasts, and it's a really fascinating, topical and complex area with new research emerging. So today we're going to keep that conversation going and build on our previous discussions. My guests today are really well-placed to help us explore the sustainability topic Dr. Jilly Hendry is a research scientist within the CSIRO Human Health Program. Her research is focused on understanding dietary intake patterns and developing novel ways to improve our food choices to address key challenges like obesity and environmental sustainability. Jilly has designed many technology-based interventions to change, support and monitor dietary behaviour change for health. For example, the CSRO Healthy Diet Score Survey has now been completed by over 230,000 Australians and she currently leads the scientific ev- evolution of the CSRO Total Wellbeing Diet Online. Dr Brad Redoubt is a Principal Research Scientist with the CSRO. His ex- expertise is in life cycle sustainability assessment in the agriculture and food sectors, which is used to address strategic challenges in relation to climate change, water scarcity, sustainable food systems, and sustainable diets. Dr. Radat is engaged in a range of international processes relating to the standardisation of sustainability assessment and environmental labelling. His research is creating the main evidence base concerning the environmental impacts of dietary habits here in Australia. So welcome back to our Dietitian Connection podcast, Brad, and welcome for the first time, Julie. It's nice to have you both. So, Brad, in a previous um, podcast, we spoke to you, we started the conversation on helping Australians eat more sustainably. Can you give us just a quick recap of where we left off from that podcast?
2: Yeah. Hi, Jane. Thanks for having me part of the conversation today. Of course, we, we all want more sustainable diets. We want healthier diets. We want diets that have lower impact on the environment and there's so many people saying so many things, recommending so many shifts. You should eat this and don't eat that, and a lot of people making it sound like it's a very simple matter. Um, but my concern is that um, a lot of those suggestions are not necessarily based on evidence, uh, or at least evidence that's relevant in the Australian context, uh, and some of it's based on very theoretical modelling rather than you know you know the, the, the diets that to real people eat each day. So in a previous uh, podcast, uh, I introduced some of the evidence we have um, here at CSIRO working together with uh, Gilly, um, and what we're showing is it's a lot more complex than some people would have you believe. <laughs> of course, uh, you know, with, on, the, on the diet quality side of the equation, we, we've got to leave room for diversity. Not everyone wants to eat the same way as everyone else, and we don't always want to eat the same foods each and every day, we want variety. Variety is a good thing, but also on the environmental uh, side of the equation. And there's many different aspects to that. We want to protect biodiversity. We want to protect uh, the climate. We want to protect water resources. and, And there's other aspects to the environment as well. So when you put all these things together, um, it actually becomes uh, quite a complex challenge to improve all these things at the same time because um, there's so much diversity. And, uh, but this is what we've tried to do, and I gave a brief update last uh, time. We, we did model um, Australian diets. We've got a sample of more than 9,000 Australian adult diets from the Australian Health Survey, and um, we've been looking within all those different diets for ones that are, of higher diet quality and do have lower environmental impacts. And um, we use quadrant analysis so we're talking about real diets. We're not just picking and choosing them ourselves. And what we found was that um, you could improve diet quality quite substantially. The diet quality score went up by more than 40%, but actually the environmental impact score only was able to be improved by about 15%. So, you know, although we all have the have the great aspirations for these uh, super healthy and, and and diets that have negligible impacts on the environment, actually, the ability to improve or reduce environmental impacts by dietary change is is there, but it's probably uh, more modest than some people would would have you believe. What the evidence is pointing to is that. Really, it's on the production side of the equation where the heavy lifting has to come. I mean, dietitians and nutrition professionals can do a lot to improve the healthiness of Australian diets, um, but we can only go so far as consumers in terms of reducing our environmental impacts because um, what we really need is for more improvements to occur on the production side of the equation. So that, that was the the roundup message from last time that we need to um, sort of moderate our expectations on just how much environmental improvement can be achieved through dietary change uh, uh, alone. Because at the end of the day, we all go uh, shopping for the foods that are there uh, to be bought. And um, really, we want lower environmental impact foods to buy. Um, all foods have environmental yeah. impacts, and we can, we can only achieve so much by choosing one type of food and not others.
1: Yeah, that's that's a really interesting point. And I guess a lot of us um, come to this topic area quite naively and we just think, oh, we'll just swap out one food for another food and that will make all the difference to the environment (laughs) and we've done our bit for sustainability. But as you point out, it's a lot more complex than that and there's so many stages in the food production sort of cycle. But So can you tell us... um, what new evidence there is on these environmental indicators because as you say there's it's not just one indicator there's a lot of things to consider so can you tell us is there been new evidence Uh, are there advancements in the research to add to our story about sustainable Yes we we have
2: taken another significant step forward I mean with the previous work I just spoke about we we looked at three environmental aspects we looked at climate impact we looked at water scarcity footprint and we also looked at cropland demand, and that's important because uh, lands have a big impact on biodiversity and scientists globally are concerned about the spreading and expansion of croplands. So we want diets that don't create too much more excessive demand for croplands. So that was three environmental aspects. Well, since then we've added another one, which is pesticide toxicity footprint. When we use pesticides and they're used widely, you know, they, they they go into the soils, they go into the environment, and they they have in, in environmental impacts as well. And so we added this this fourth uh, dimension to our ever expanding list of environmental um, aspects we've been studying. But the interesting thing about pesticides, what we found with the Australian diet was, of course, it's the discretionary foods because we eat so, (laughs) on average, Australians eat so many of them. Uh, Most of the the highest contribution to the uh, pesticide toxicity footprint comes from discretionary foods. But the second biggest contribution came from fruits, would, would you believe? Now, you know... Uh, dietitians were saying oh no not fruits you know we need more fruits we, we need. <laughs> but uh you know nearly uh, nearly 30 percent of the footprint was just coming from fruits alone so this is this is just further reinforcing the problem if you just try and eat foods that have no environmental impacts there won't be any foods left to eat
1: <laughs> yeah so it's a balance um, and,
2: you, you, need a, you need a balance and, and, and you can only go so far by minimising um, what you eat. And, of course, we don't want people to be turned away from eating fruits because we, we're we supposed to not only eat more fruits but eat more whole fruits and eat a greater diversity of fruits. And now there's some fruits that have um, quite low a pesticide toxicity footprint and there's others with higher pesticide toxicity footprint but really we're, we're encouraged by dietary guidelines and common sense to try and eat a variety of of, of fruits and this is where you know a lot of these um, very simplistic often maybe cherry-picked kind of dietary guidelines for sustainability um, can go quite awry um, because we we well know that Many low greenhouse gas emission diets are lacking in nutrients and high in sugar. (laughs)
1: You know, if
2: we want to avoid pesticide toxicity footprint, suddenly we've got to avoid fruits. You know, that you know, that's why I say um that there's important work for uh, the nutrition community to do, um, but we have to be realistic about just how much can be achieved on the diet on the on the environmental impact side of the equation. Uh, as opposed to the, the massive gains in diet quality that can be achieved through the work of uh, dietitians and nutrition professionals
1: and this is probably a good Um, Place to bring jelly into the conversation. So when we're talking about sustainability, it's easy to sometimes maybe overlook the nutrition side of things and just go for like that, you know, if you're just going to go on sustainability or environmental impact, you just avoid fruit. Um, But clearly that's not a desirable outcome. So the assumption, though, is that also on the flip side, by eating sustainably, you're automatically eating a more healthy diet, but that's not necessarily the case. So, What's your modelling telling us about the nutrition aspects?
3: I think the work that we've done with Brad and some new work as well, essentially we're saying we need to take a holistic whole of diet approach to eating more healthily and a more sustainable diet. So we've done some modelling, again, using the National Nutrition and Physical Activity Survey. Yes, the data is 10 years old, but it's the latest and um, most representative sample of dietary intake data that we still have. For this particular project, um, we wanted to really understand the various ways that Australians actually eat. So again, using the data to understand Australians' actual dietary patterns, and then compare these to the dietary guidelines, and also another set of global dietary recommendations that have received significant attention, so the planetary health diet. For this modelling, we looked at a range of dietary patterns that might have been perceived to be healthier or perceived to be more environmentally sustainable. Um, Sometimes these concepts of health and sustainability are thought about in sort of that one dimensional way. Um, So a healthy diet might be perceived to be one where we have lots of vegetables and that's the only thing we think about or um, very few discretionary foods. And then on the flip side, I guess, um, a diet that's thought to be more environmentally sustainable might be one um, that has the lowest meat intake or the lowest dairy intake. Um, so we compared these kind of single-focused dietary patterns to one that is considered the highest quality overall. So we operationalised that using um, dietary guideline index, so greatest compliance with our dietary guidelines. Again, a holistic approach to healthy eating. Um, And with with this work, we looked at the food group consumption of these various different dietary patterns. We looked at the nutrient adequacy and we looked at the environmental impacts. What was interesting was with um, this highest quality diet, so the group of Australians that have the highest compliance with our dietary guidelines, their diets weren't perfect. They scored 60 out of a possible 100. Um, But they were the most well-rounded The best of what we've got. We looked um, at just adults age 19 to 50. Um, But what was really interesting, I guess, when we when you take this single focused approach um, to looking at a healthy or a sustainable diet, it doesn't necessarily mean all the other aspects of your diet fall into place. So for example, this group of Australians that we looked at who had the most vegetables, so they were having over their five serves. They still consume too much discretionary food, not enough whole grains, et cetera. And then vice versa, those who had the lowest discretionary foods, they didn't necessarily eat enough of all the healthy core foods. So you can't have this single focus when we're talking about sort of a healthy and sustainable dietary pattern. Um, What we actually found in this work um, was that the Australian dietary guidelines were the most nutritionally adequate and complete um, dietary pattern, followed by this highest quality group. And again, this group wasn't perfect. They were doing the best of Australians aged 19 to 50. Um, But they were able to meet all of our NRBs, our nutrient reference values, except for sodium. Um, In terms of environmental impacts, the Australian Dietary Guidelines diet was higher than the Planetary Health Reference diet, but the environmental impacts was lower than all of our current dietary patterns existing within Australia. So I guess from this, we really concluded that the Australian Dietary Guidelines is a dietary pattern that can be healthier and have a lower environmental impact than how most Australians are currently eating.
1: Oh, that's a really interesting um outcome from that research because we know that the Australian dietary guidelines sometimes get a bit of flack in terms of perhaps not being most appropriate nutritionally or otherwise so it's interesting that from a scientific point of view based on the modeling they are actually a good a good pattern to follow so the new evidence that you're talking about and and the research that you've done what does that really mean in terms of the key dietary variables for eating sustainably I think from our work,
3: regardless of how we looked at diet, so I said we had all these different ways to look at it, one-dimensional ways and even you know the whole of diet quality ways, we really found two aspects of our diet that are common problems for all Australians, and that's this underconsumption of vegetables and overconsumption of discretionary food. Probably no surprises um, to dieticians. Um, but discretionary foods, they're in our dietary guidelines for variety and for enjoyment. With the recommendation of being consumed in small amounts occasionally, Um, but we eat twice as much as what we should on average. So we know, you know, these foods are energy dense. They provide little in terms of quality nutrients. Um, The work with Brad, I think, across the various environmental metrics that we've looked at, discretionary foods contribute around thirty to thirty-five percent of total environmental impacts, depending on the metric. So these resources are going towards producing and manufacturing foods that aren't giving us a lot of beneficial nutrients, and they could be going towards foods that do give us beneficial nutrients, so nutritious foods. And so I think um, advice around reducing the discretionary foods is really going to have, you know, will improve our health, but will also have environmental impacts, um, uh, benefits as well. Um, You know, in terms of vegetables, we know we don't eat enough. We eat half as much as what the dietary guidelines recommend. We know that there's a multitude of health benefits associated with consuming adequate amounts of vegetables. We really, as dietitians, need to find those innovative ways to help people increase consumption. Um, And, you know, there's many ways that we could achieve this, um, you know, larger portions, eating them more frequently. We only tend to eat our vegetables at dinner, I think, um, you know, is is our usual pattern of eating amongst Australians. Um, but in terms of environmental impacts, I guess, removing discretionary foods would reduce our environmental impacts. Obviously, we take anything out of our diet and it re- reduces the um, environmental impacts of the whole diet. But at the same time, we need to increase our vegetable consumption. So again, we've, you know, adding, we're taking out, but we're adding something else. So you know, first step, maybe increase our vegetable consumption. And then as Brad spoke about in terms of that was with fruit, but with vegetables, there's also some veggies that are, have a higher impact and a lower impact. So once we're eating the right amount, then we can tweak maybe our preferences for certain vegetables um, that may have a lower enviro- environmental impact. But I guess one step at a time.
1: So really some of the guidelines that we're, Um, promoting and encouraging Australians to follow, which is reducing discretionary foods, increasing vegetable consumption. Uh, Another good reason to do that is the environmental impact that that has, even though, as Brad said, perhaps it has less impact from the consumer side of view compared with the production side of view. But still, it's just another reason to make those changes to our diet. So, So you've talked about increase in vegetables, reducing discretionary foods. Are there any other sort of nutritional recommendations that your research supports in terms of just day-to-day changes? Yeah, I think the translation of the science into
3: actual recommendations that change people's behaviour, that's a whole other piece of work. I think that that still needs to be done. Um, Yeah, nutrition recommendations are only as good as their level of adoption. So to realise the environmental and the health benefits of recommendations they need to be adopted by as many people as possible so that really practical realistic actionable graduated advice that helps people you know buzzword of nudge people but helps people gradually improve their food choices at a meal then becomes at it across a whole day and then becomes their diet I think you know, we see that moving the average Australian, um, so moving people from the average Australian diet in in our work over to even the highest quality diet that we looked at. So again, it's not perfect, but it's better than what the average is, would achieve more more nutrient-dense diet for a similar environmental impact. So again, we're using the resources, but we're getting bang for our buck, essentially, in terms of nutrition. And that's really what we want to do in the first instance, I think.
1: Yeah, so Brad... You've done so much work on on the science of this and, and gathering the evidence. From your standpoint, how do you think we can actually make the population make more informed choices when it comes to eating both healthy and sustainably?
2: Well, I think we've got to move away from these gimmick sort of solutions like just give up this or eat that or, or have I got a product for you sort of thing uh, as though that makes a, a big difference. Uh, Which
1: I tends think, to be our fallback position on just about anything, doesn't well, it? Like if you've yeah, got diabetes well, people, do this, or obesity, do that. You know, it's always like here's the answer. It's never that easy, is it?
2: Yeah. Well, I could I could uh, reinforce the message about discretionary foods because something that didn't come out before was the fact that dietary energy and, and environmental impacts are uh, are correlated. You know, in other words, the more food you eat, uh, the more dietary energy you consume, the higher the impacts are. It, you know, irrespective of exactly which foods you're eating, the more dietary energy you're taking in, the impacts all go up. It's just like anything, you know, the more pairs of shoes you buy, uh, the more your environmental impacts from shoes, regardless of when you happen to be buying, you know, this shoe or that shoe or whatever shoe or clothes or holidays or, um, you know, whatever it is. Um, so, things that tend to cr- cause us to over-consume dietary energy. And now, now we're talking about discretionary foods all over again. So, you know, people should be motivated to think twice about their level of diet, uh, discretionary food consumption from their own personal health perspective, although people don't seem to be getting that message very strongly because I see that the shops are full of these discretionary foods, so someone must be buying them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying that I'm guilt-free, but um but that that that's a biggie um uh, because when we eat these energy dense foods we tend to inevitably consume more energy than we need to so to be healthy but the second thing and it's a, it's kind of like a uh, you could think of it as a, a waste um uh, you know there's a there's a very detailed survey in 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 the UK that came up with the conclusion that the third of the food that was bought by households was thrown away now, people have done all sorts of surveys in Australia, and as far as we can tell, we're not much different. Although most people will say, um, "You know, oh, I don't waste food." You know, everyone's wasting food, and 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 substantial quantities of, of food. If people want to do something that would make um, a a major difference, just stop wasting food or avoid wasting food. I mean, it's hard to get it down to zero, um, but think about. Making a shopping list before you go shopping. Think about yes. you know, um, you know, eating up leftovers. These sorts of things, you know, can't be avoided entirely. But there's a massive. I mean, if we're wasting thirty percent of the a third of the food that comes into our homes ends up in the bin, that's a third of the environmental impacts all the irrigation that was performed, all the fertilisers that were used, all the greenhouse gases and trucks driving around and machines milling and baking and everything else under the sun, um, you know, it's all happening so that at the very end it goes in the bin. Uh, You know, people looking for... um, sexy solutions i guess you know you know but no one really wants to talk about food waste but it's probably one of the more important things that people could do before they even think about switching their diets yeah, um, the I obvious guess, thing yeah
1: and i guess that's a part of it from you know if you're in the household and you're throwing out food you think that's terrible waste you know but you don't really think about the production that has been required to get that food your fridge so it's not just chucking it out and and the problems that occur with that food that you're not using it's all that production as you say it could be a third of the production it's the worst possible
2: waste if 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 farmer doesn't harvest something it's usually incorporated back into the soil or something or other you know it hasn't gone far and it's not lost as such uh, you know, the farmer doesn't take it and, and 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 put it in his in his rubbish bin, and the council comes along and collects it. You know, it's not like that. But it's gone through everything of the shipping and packaging and transportation and whatever else. You know, we don't eat. Need- You know, foods are all processed to one degree or another. They're washed, they're wrapped, they're packed, not not considering all the the processed food that, you know, fills up our supermarkets. Um, And then we get it and we refrigerate it and we uh, look after it and then only to throw it away. And then we create more environmental impacts because we put it in a bin and a truck has to come and collect it. Uh, And then it it goes to a landfill. Now, some landfills may be capturing the gases and, and using them for energy. Um, but if not well then there's there's more um environmental burdens uh, you know yeah. it, it, it's uh, it's a big problem,
1: yeah, so from your perspective, what I'm hearing is that two really um key points that would be good if people understood was that concept of food waste uh as well as um which involves portion guidance um in their eating um as well as minimising discretionary foods for all of the environmental cost of those. Um, would
2: that be right? Yeah, for sure. And the portion guidance, well, you know, it's it's a double-edged sword. You know, we eat a lot more of some things, um, but it's those energy-dense, junky, discretionary foods. They're the ones that are not helping us in our own health. And, you know, inevitably they give you a lot of energy very fast, and, 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 and usually lead you to consuming far more energy than your body needs. Yeah, um, yeah. And then we're taking in more energy, total energy increases, environmental impacts overall increase. So, I mean, if you're eating more of those protein-rich, fibre-rich foods, the ones that Julie talk about, the veggies and whatnot, um, you know, you're know, you more likely to eat an appropriate amount of food overall in the day. Um, so, you know, it gets back to the basics.
1: Yeah, so, Julie, if we can finish up with you then and and keep on that sort of practical slant here, what do you say or what do you consider would be like three key ways for dietitians who are our audience here um, who are talking, I think, more and more um, to their patients, their clients about sustainability in their diets? What would be your three key ways that they can give some practical guidance um, to support that diet that's both healthy and sustainable? Yeah, I think, you know, dietitians are best placed to give that practical advice.
3: Um, You know, just interestingly, in a a review we've just done of dietary guidelines around the world, that's kind of one of the conclusions, that the dietary guidelines are really lacking in terms of the how-to, the practicals to help people actually action the message that they contain. So this is where I think dietitians are are really important. Um, And as we sort of touched on earlier, the dietary guidance really needs to be sort of that realistic advice that helps um, their patients or clients make the actual change. So if we want people to move towards a healthier, more sustainable diet, what are the steps needed between where someone is, where we want to get to, and I guess make a plan? For example, um, the modelling that we touched on earlier, we found that about, I think, 30 to 45% of Australians' protein choices are coming from red meat and poultry. And then um, legumes are making up less than 5%. So if we want somebody to have this dramatic switch to, you know, have 80% or whatever, you know, plant-based proteins, that's a huge jump for somebody to make. What are the gradual steps that we can do in between to sort of get them to, um, you know, more variety really is is essentially um, in, in their diet? The other thing probably, and we've touched on it already, is, you know, eat to your needs. So and dietary energy is associated with total environmental impacts. It's also associated with weight gain, as we know. So regardless of where the kilojoules are coming from, eat, eat when you're hungry, eat to your needs, try not to eat, you know, over consume it at any particular meal. Um, we can do that through portion size. And we have talked about portion size already. So buying and preparing and consuming appropriate foods in appropriate portions, um, We have three main meals across the day and Australians tend to have, I think, two two or three snacks a day as well. So we've got limited opportunities to get these foods into our diet. Um, Australians tend to have their meat and vegetables in the evening meal. So think about the portions that we need to consume at that meal if that's the only meal that we're having vegetables, for example. We tend to eat vegetables in a portion size that's about half the dietary guideline recommendation. So we're just not going to get enough vegetables in that one meal. So we need to get our portions right. We need to get the distribution of the healthy food groups across more than just one meal, um, be that dinner. So I think they're probably the three things, realistic advice, um, eat to our needs and um, appropriate
1: portions across the day,
3: across meals.
1: Which is actually reassuring, isn't it, that that messaging is really the same for health and sustainability. Uh, you know, those key, if we can include those in our diets, then we are going to have healthier diets and we're going to have more sustainable diets um, as well. So... Look, thank you both for trying to help us unpick this very tangled web of um, environmental indicators, sustainability, nutrition, health. It's something that dietitians really need to understand and have their heads around uh, and to be able to convey those messages clearly to their patients um, or their clients. So thank you uh, both of you for your time today to help us out with explaining that. And thank you to Meat and Livestock Australia for supporting our episode today.
0: To get all of the links and resources we discussed in this episode, you can go to dietitianconnection.com slash podcasts. And if you'd like to support the Dietitian Connection podcast, please leave a review and a rating on the Apple Podcasts app. Tell us what you thought of this episode, what you learnt, and share your guest requests for us to consider for future episodes. We value hearing from you and we really appreciate your feedback. So please, please hit that review button.